Are you ready? <laughs> Some people are like, yes, if you're going to ask me one more time. <laughs> this morning, I'm really excited to be sharing the word. And I said to Johannes, and he knows, this is something that, honestly, I'm very passionate about. And it's something that I pray a lot for the Lord to increase my faith. For me to continue to walk in such faith that I actually see the Bible come to life in terms of nothing will be impossible for me. Amen. And so this morning I want to talk about bold faith. Not just faith, bold faith. Who agrees there's a difference? Okay, just five people agree. After the service you will agree with me. Bold faith is different than just a belief. And I really believe that the Bible calls us to walk by faith. And I really believe, number two, that God has got a plan for every individual, every child of God. I mean, who would agree? Thirdly, I believe that God has got a great plan for the church. God has got a specific plan and purpose, not just for us as individuals, but for us corporatively as the church. But if we are going to see that plan and that purpose worked out, we need bold faith. Amen? Bold faith. And I, when I was preparing this, it was like the Lord was reminding me of where my journey started. And when I gave my heart to the Lord, I grew up in a traditional church, and I think I've shared this story many times, so for those of you who are, who are new, this might be new. But when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was actually not someone that anyone would point out and say, that is a real bold girl. Boldness was the last thing that I had, okay? Uh, confidence was the last thing that someone would point to me and say, yeah, she's definitely confident. And I remember as I grew in my faith in the Lord and as I learned and studied the Word of God and I began to understand the character of God. Who is the Father? Who does He want to be to me? What is my identity? Who has God called me to be? Okay, what did the world tell me I was? And what does the Word actually say I am? Who does the Word say I am? My faith began to increase. Amen? Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But what I still felt was lacking was boldness. And I believe that as my faith journey continued and the Lord started growing me in faith, he started to open up opportunities for me to act upon my faith. And that's when I realized I struggled to act upon my faith. So if someone gave me an opportunity to maybe pray for someone, I felt like I could rather run away and die. <laughs> Who's ever felt like that? Now is a good time to be honest. We're a church family. Let's be honest. Okay, we talk about this with our team all the time. We all go through this. They ask you to share something at church or in home cell or maybe just at the office. And you feel like you want to throw up. Your body starts shaking, your heart starts palpitating, your mouth runs dry, your knees are shaking. Am I the only one that has gone through this? And you find yourself stopping from acting out on your faith. Because you find yourself stuck in this place of fear, of anxiety, nervousness, 
timidity. And that's when I realized, okay, what I am lacking is a boldness. I believe in the Lord, believe in Jesus. I believe in all these things. But it's easier for me to watch other people walk in it than for me to take that step of faith and walk in it myself. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Boldness of our faith. A godly boldness. And I'm wearing a t-shirt this morning for the purpose of you recognizing that the Lion of Judah is the one that is going to give us this boldness. Okay, so you're going to see the Lion of Judah on my t-shirt the whole morning. You're going to see the Lion of Judah there. Can you see the Lion? Okay, because... I want to focus on boldness this morning, and I really believe that God is going to shake some things in this room today so that when we walk out of here, we are still going to feel scared, but we are still going to act in faith. We are not going to let our fears stop us from becoming who God has called us to be. Amen? Who feels like this is speaking to them this morning? It's still speaking to me. So I'm really, really excited about this. Bold faith is what we need. Proverbs 28 verse 1. If you're taking notes this morning. We are going to do what we do in children's church called a memory verse. Does anyone know what a memory verse is? It's a verse we are going to memorize. It's not, in, it's not on the screen. Proverbs 28 verse 1. It's a new version. It says the following. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Can everyone say this with me? The righteous are as bold as a lion. Again, the righteous are as bold as a lion. One more time. The righteous are as bold as a lion. I'm going to need you to say it with a little bit more oomph this time. The righteous are as bold as a lion. That's how we do memory verses in children's church. We say it over and over and over again. And if there's one thing I want you to walk out of here this morning, you're going to hear me every morning when you wake up. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Okay? Because God has called us to be as bold as a lion. And I want to encourage us this morning that boldness does not come from our own strength. Boldness is actually something that the Holy Spirit works through us. Something that the Holy Spirit releases over us. And we're going to talk specifically through one character in the Bible that I relate to so much. What is the definition of boldness? Boldness is a brave and confident way of behaving that shows no fear, but it shows courage, a willingness to undertake things that involve risk or danger. No fear. Courage. And I love what the Bible speaks about, and Joyce Meyer always teaches about this, and she says, the Bible says that we do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But who knows that even though the Lord can free us from fear, sometimes you will still feel fear. Amen? 
And this is why I believe most believers get stuck. You pray for fear to be delivered, and then you still feel fear, and you think, oh, God hasn't done anything, and you stop there. And what I've discovered is, as Joyce Meyer says, that you've got to learn how to do it afraid. What that means is God can deliver us from fear, but don't think the enemy is not going to try and use fear to still intimidate you to not step out, to not take that next step. And what I've learned, and you can ask your highness this, honestly, I would be sick of nervousness before I had to do anything like a two-minute offering message or just share at home cell. I would be so sick of nervousness, physically sick. But I've learned how to ignore that and still step through. Because do you know where God's power comes in? Not in this place where I feel and I feel and I feel and I see my body manifesting. His power comes through in the step and in the next step and in the next step. And honestly, I can testify to this. You can ask your highness, I did not speak like this when he met me. I did not speak in front of people without feeling like I want to pass out of nervousness and fear. Is anyone with me this morning? What God can do with a yes is incredible. And so the boldness that we want to talk about this morning is the boldness of the Holy Spirit. It is the boldness of saying, yes, Lord, even if I feel scared, even if I feel like my Knees are shaking against each other and they're going to break so much they're shaking. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to step out. I'm still going to go for what you have for me. Because church, the reality is if we're not going to go for it, we're not going to see it. We're just not going to see it. We're not going to see the plans and purposes for our lives. And we're not going to see the plans and the purposes for the church. Because guess what? We are the church. The church is not only a handful of five bold people. It's full of a lot of people that are fighting through their fears to step out and see what God has for them. And trust me, even the boldest of boldest ones have had these same challenges. Think of all the characters in the Bible who did not speak back to the Lord when he called them. No, but Lord, this one is much better. What about that one? When the, one of the disciples said to Jesus, but what about John? Jesus said to him, what about John? You focus on what I tell you. Don't worry about the other one. Amen? So biblical boldness is not just a personality trait, someone that was born with confidence. It is actually acting on our faith by the power of the Holy Spirit with an urgent conviction of what we have to do. An urgent conviction of what we have to do. I want to read one scripture to you before we go into a story of someone that I really believe will encourage all of us this morning. Someone that went from a real place of timidity and fear to becoming one of the faith heroes of the Bible. Okay, incredible story. But I want to read to you Hebrews 11. Verse 1 to 3, and this is what the Bible calls the faith chapter. So if you want to encourage your faith, if you feel like you feel low on faith, 
top up from Hebrews 11. It's called the faith chapter, the hall of faith. It's got different names. But I want to read to you Hebrews 11 verse 1 to 3. And this is the definition that the Bible gives about what is faith. Okay, so let's first define faith and then we go into the boldness of acting on that faith. In verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed and confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and it is the evidence, everyone say evidence, of things not seen, but a conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I love this part of the scripture because often we think that faith is such a hypothetical term that doesn't involve fact. I feel like sometimes we think that's what faith is. Oh, faith in the unseen, so, you know, I just don't know anything. No, no, no. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be seen. So, in other words, when I look at this Bible, I have to believe that this is factual information. It's not a story. It's not a fable. And I know we know this. But you're going to see why we're building this foundation. This is fact. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. And verse 3 says, by faith, that is with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, the wisdom, and the goodness of God, we understand that the worlds were framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So that what it is seen was not made out of things which are invisible. In other words, I just want to summarize this. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be seen. And I love in verse 2, Yaku, can you put verse 2 up again? I think it's in verse 2. It says, no, I think it's the rest of verse 1. Is it verse 1 or verse 3? Yes, yeah, sorry. It's verse 3, the first part of verse 3. It says that by faith, with an inherent trust and confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that all these things are fact. In other words, what I'm getting at is this. Faith is not just something we believe over here. And it's not just the fact that we believe the scriptures. But we also have to believe in God's power. We also have to believe in his goodness. And we also have to have a confidence in his wisdom. That is where faith begins. And I talked to a lot of people. In fact, I had a conversation with someone this week and we spoke about someone had told her that this person believes that God actually is just sitting in heaven waiting to hand out hidings for when we do things wrong, when we sin. And you know, the sad reality is how many of us, how many of believers as a whole believe that about the Lord? What type of faith will you have? What type of confidence will you have to act upon your faith if that is my theology? 
if that is the doctrine that I base my faith on, if I don't believe in the goodness of God, which is a sermon on its own, I'm never going to have the faith to step out in boldness, trusting that God's going to have my back, trusting that he's not only going to have my back, but he's actually going to empower me to do what he's called me to do. Do you see how important and how deep faith actually goes? I have to believe as fact what the Bible says. And part of that is also believing his character of who he says he is. Which means I must not look at my circumstances to tell me about the character of God. Because if I look at my circumstances to dictate to me who God is, and I don't understand how the supernatural realm actually works, I don't understand the battle between good and evil, then my faith is going to be very shallow. And my faith will, and how I act upon my faith will always then be determined by the direction of the wind, by the direction of my circumstances. If things are going well, then God is awesome and I have a lot of faith. If things are not going well, then you know, God is not for me. God is angry with me. And, you know, we can't be wishy-washy Christians. We can't be tossed and blown by the wind. Amen? We've got to stand on the word of God in season, out of season. If it's going well and if it's not going well, we can't decide our faith based on our circumstances. Because why? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this. But without faith... It is impossible to walk with God and to please Him. For whoever comes near to God must believe that He exists. And number two, that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. I must believe. So this is where it starts. I must believe that He exists. And I must believe that he's good. I must believe that he will reward me when I go for it. When I earnestly and diligently seek him. And I love that the Amplified says it's not just, you know, impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to walk with him without faith. Because faith will require me to get up out of my seat. Faith is not sitting in my seat. And you know, by seat I mean sitting, not acting. When we live a life of faith, we are called to walk. We are called to run. We are not just called to stay parked in a garage. I mean, so this is what I feel the Lord wants to talk to us about today. Your faith has a purpose for walking. There are three things that I believe really involves faith that will please the Lord. It's in the U version notes. If you're taking notes, number one, knowledge. Our heart cannot rejoice in what our mind rejects. Our heart cannot rejoice in what the mind rejects. So in other words, I need to have the right knowledge about God, about how he works, about who he's called me to be. Okay, so we need knowledge. Faith doesn't mean we don't have knowledge. My question is, what are we willing to believe about God? 
What are we willing to believe? Number two, a faith that pleases God needs trust. You know that you can believe in someone and not trust them. I think everyone knows that. Without trust, there can be no relationship. So faith requires trust. Bill Johnson says it so beautifully. He says, bold faith stands on the shoulders of quiet trust. If I make a decision to really trust the Lord, I will be able to step out into faith. But if I'm not going to trust him, I'm not going to take that step. My question on trust is, are we willing to trust the Lord by believing his word? Are we willing to trust? Number three, a faith that pleases God involves action. James says that faith without works is dead. And so we know that we don't work for our salvation, but faith will require us to work. And when we read through this chapter, you can go and read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith at home. But it speaks about all these people who went from this place of real fear and timidity and not sure if they can trust God and being doubtful and representing a lot of us of where we start out with the Lord. But they ended up as the heroes of faith in the Bible because they all did something about their faith. Abel brought a sacrifice. Noah built a boat. Abraham offered his only son and his promised Isaac. Isaac blessed his sons. Moses' parents hid him because they believed he had a call on his life. The Israelite moved through the Red Sea. Rahab risked her life by hosting spies. And what was the pattern of all of these people? They all stepped out in faith. They all acted Upon their faith. What are you and I willing to do about our faith? What are we willing to do about our faith? And so in verse 32, if you continue to read through Hebrews 11, the Bible says that the author of Hebrews says, And what more shall I say about all these other people that I can't even fit into the pages of this book of what they achieved because of faith? And then he says this, For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, who by faith became mighty and unbeatable in battle. And so I want to encourage us this morning, oh, I'm excited, about this guy called Gideon. Who knows Gideon's story? I pray that the Lord will show you something unique this morning in the story of this guy who if he was a girl, I would say, that's me. (laughs) But I'm so grateful he was actually a guy. So we're going to look at the story of Gideon, a timid, fearful, scared young bloke that the Lord took from that place into the hall of faith, and he became one of the biggest heroes of our faith. He was one of the judges of Israel, and he actually left an incredible legacy. His sons maybe got it wrong, but he got some things right. And so we're going to read through this morning, Judges 6, if you've got your Bible with you. Judges 6, when you start in Genesis, is the seventh book in the Old Testament. 
And I'm going to give you some background before we actually get to the scripture. So what happened? The Israelites went under the leadership of Moses. Then they went to the leadership of Joshua. And the Lord led them out of 400 years of slavery into the promised land. So now they've arrived after 400 years. There's a new generation. And the Bible says this new generation knew nothing about the Lord or the mighty works that he had done for the old generation. So I actually think there's a powerful point just even in that before we get into the story. As a generation, we have got a responsibility to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. We want our children to actually do even more for the Lord than what we ever accomplished. And I'm telling you, if you spend one morning in that children's church, you will see how they do that. I'm sure all of the parents know when kids come home and the stuff that they tell them. We have a responsibility to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. Okay, so the Israelites arrive in the promised land and God gave them this incredible opportunity to act upon their faith. He gave them this incredible opportunity to walk into the land of milk and honey and everything that he had for them. And as we know from scripture, this horrible pattern that people are still in, the Bible says that it went so well. They got so comfortable in things going well. They got so comfortable in God's prosperity for them that they went back into a place of doing evil in the sight of the Lord. They got so comfortable, they went back to the place of idol worship. And sometimes we think, but how stupid were they? But do we not do the same? When things get comfortable, we forget about the Lord. And so what ended up happening was they were back into this place of oppression. For seven years, they suffered oppression from the Midianites. And what is interesting when you do a study about the Midianites is that, remember Abram, generations back, when Sarah, Abram's wife, passed away, he took another wife and he had another bunch of sons. And I think the second or the fourth son was called Midian. And the Midianites were the descendants of one of Abraham's sons. And they were the very ones who would then come against the Israelites, God's people, of whom Abraham was the father of those generations. And when I thought about that, I thought to myself, isn't it interesting that even family can come against us? Sometimes even family, those closest to us, can oppose what the Lord wants to do in our lives. But we need to push through. We need to push through. All right, so what did the Midianites do? They were actually really oppressing the Israelites. So they were sealing their crops. They were ravaging their land. They were terrorizing them. And the Israelites became so scared, the Bible said, that they fled to all sorts of hills and caves to go and live and hide from fear for the Midianites. And so we pick up the story where the Israelites became so desperate, they turned again to the Lord and they said to the Lord, Lord, help us. Please come and rescue us yet again from the Midianites. And the Lord sent a prophet to them, and he doesn't even name the prophet in the Bible. The prophet tells them the reason why you're in this oppression is because you failed against the Lord's obedience again. You went back to idol worship. 
And the Lord said, in his mercy and in his love, but I will still come and rescue you. And so the Lord decides Gideon is his man. The Lord decides Gideon is his man. So you can turn to Judges 6. Judges 6, and we're going to read just the bit from verse 12 to verse 18. And we're going to pick the story up where an angel of the Lord comes to visit Gideon. Gideon. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why? Why? Has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He was the youngest. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. You will strike down all the Midianites together. And Gideon replied, if, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I was like, Lord, that's very gracious and patient. If an angel of the Lord visits me and tells me the Lord is with me, he is going to give me the victory over an entire nation in my natural reasoning, I would think I would believe the angel. Who would believe an angel if an angel shows up and talks to you something like this? I don't know. So maybe it's easy for us. Maybe he didn't recognize the angel. But you know what's interesting? That when you go and study this passage, scholars actually say that this angel was not just an angel. It was the Lord Jesus himself. Did you know that? Scripture says that it was Jesus himself. But Gideon didn't recognize him, obviously. And so I just find this a fascinating interaction between this young guy and the Lord of how he goes back and forth with the Lord to say, but if you say that, do you really mean it? If you say that, will you really be there with me? If you say this is the prophetic word, I will actually get the victory. How can it be me? Why me, Lord? Has anyone ever asked the Lord, why me? I'm not talking about when something happens to you that's bad. I'm talking about when the Lord calls you to do something. And we say to the Lord, but why me? I was that person. <laughs> But Gideon must have done something great to end up in the Hall of Fame. And so I'm not going to, we don't have time to read through the whole passage, but I want to encourage you for homework this week, go and read through this whole story, Judges 6 and Judges 7. Because Gideon then prepares this big sacrificial offering to the Lord and the angel came back again 
And he put this offering before the Lord. And the Bible says that flames and fire came out of the rocks and burned up the entire offering right before him. And the Lord spoke to him again. And the Lord said to him, don't worry, you will not die. Everything's going to be okay. I didn't go back on my word just because you doubted me. I didn't go back on my word just because you were fearful. I didn't change my plans about you just because you doubted my ability and my power in your life. And the Bible says in verse 22, after that offering was burnt up, now Gideon perceived that it was an angel of God. So when I read the story, this doesn't sound to me like someone with a lot of faith. It doesn't sound to me like a candidate for the whole of faith. To me, faith would have been, yes, Lord, I receive your word. Let's go. But this was not Gideon. And there are four things that I want to encourage us this morning that I took from Gideon's story. And there's probably a lot more in the story when you go and read through it. And when you make a study out of it, it goes so deep. It's really an incredible story. But there are four things that I want to encourage us with this morning. If you find yourself in a place where you're not sure if you can trust the Lord's word over you. Or you feel scared of what you feel the Lord is putting on your heart. And you're just kind of, Lord, give me one more sign. Give me one more confirmation. Number one, God can visit us supernaturally in the most natural and mundane of our day-to-day. -day. God can visit us supernaturally in the most natural and mundane of our day-to-day. -day. And I have learned this with the Lord. Sometimes we go to a conference or we go to church or we go to some religious gathering and we believe that there God will show up. There God will speak to me. But you know, God can speak to you when you're changing your children's diapers. God can speak to you in the middle of traffic and makes you want to stop your car right there to just behold the moment. God can speak to you in those little jobs that you think, oh, are so tedious and so boring. Can I just get to the stuff that the Lord is calling me to do, please? That's where God speaks. The question is just, will we recognize him? Or will we, like Gideon, ask the Lord for a couple of confirmations? Because I believe that the Lord is actually gracious in that. And what was interesting, if you read through Gideon's story, he was actually busy threshing wheat. Now, in the biblical times, what they were doing is the, the wheat kernel had the nutritious bit of the wheat, and then it had the shafts, which was the bit that had no nutrition in. So normally, what they would do is they would thresh the wheat on a threshing floor. So a, a huge space, a floor, but normally on a hill where there could be a light breeze and a wind. And when they would throw the grain, the shafts would blow away and the weighted grain would fall down. And that is what they would pick up so that they can use it for food, for baking breads and making all the stuff that they needed to stay alive. But the Bible says, when you notice in Judges 6, it says that Gideon was down in the wine press. He was hiding from the Midianites. He didn't thresh the wheat in the open place where people could see him because he was scared that they will come and steal the crops 
and maybe even kill him and his family because this was what the Midianites were doing. So he was hiding in the wine press, and this is where the angel came. Sometimes we think we can hide from the Lord, but he will find us where we are. There is no hiding from the king. Amen. And I love that, you know, the Bible actually describes Gideon as a very honest person, as a very humble person. Yes, he was scared. Yes, he was fearful. But he actually had a lot of workers that could have done that mundane job of threshing the wheat. It wasn't really the leader of the show that would be threshing the wheat. So it says a lot about his character that he was still a humble guy. And you know that the Lord delights in exalting the humble? It reminds me of even David, a humble little shepherd boy. And the Lord said, that's the one I want to be the king of Israel. And he sent the prophet to go and find him in the field where he was busy doing his day-to-day mundane job. So number one, I want to encourage you, God can find you in the mundane. God can find you in the place of every day when he's got a big call on your life and he wants to talk to you and he wants you to pay attention. So there is nothing too mundane of our circumstances for God to intervene. And God is attracted to humbleness. God is attracted to just an honest person doing whatever they need to do on that day. So I want to encourage you, if if you're that person that, Lord, but when is my breakthrough going to come? I'm just doing the same thing every day. Humbleness and faithfulness. Great magnets for the Lord. He loves that. When you stay in the honest business of the everyday, you open up a way for the divine. Number two, God sees more in us than we see in ourselves. Who's ever realized that? If not, I want to speak it over you this morning. God sees more about you. He dreams more about you than you could ever think, ask, or imagine. God thinks you are amazing. God thinks you are incredible. And I believe there are people here, you've probably never heard someone say this to you, but you are amazing. You are honestly awesome. And it doesn't matter what we heard when we grew up. It doesn't matter what people are saying over us now. What matters is what the king thinks about you. The Bible speaks about Gideon. The first task that the Lord gave him was to go and take down the altar of Baal that his own father put up. Now this takes some place of courage. And the Bible says that Gideon was so scared of his own family that he went at night to take down the family's idolatry practices. And the Lord said, I'm going to be with you. And he took 10 men and they tore it down. And the Lord said, build a new altar for me. Takes God sometimes to go against family and people you love when they're not going with the Lord. But sometimes God is going to call you to do it. Amen. Do not ever, and I love family, we are for family. But I've learned this. When God calls you somewhere, not everyone is going to rejoice and clap hands and think you're amazing. They are actually going to think you have lost your mind. What don't you do? 
This is where we need to let go of fear of man. Doesn't matter what people think. I cannot tell you how many people thought Johannes and I were absolutely bonkers crazy when we left Cape Town to come and plant a church where people told us there are so many churches in Vintuk, why do you think you want to plant another church? Well, I don't know. Go ask the Lord. I don't know why we need to plant another church. All I know is what I need to do. I don't need to answer you or give you an opinion. I can only tell you what the Lord told me. Quite frankly, I got to a place of such thick-skinnedness, and it's only the Lord, because I was always so conscious of everyone's opinion. And it's still something that the Lord is dealing with. But we've got to get to a place where your opinion doesn't matter when you're coming against the word of what the Lord has spoken to me. We need to rise above people's opinions. Amen? If they do not agree with what God is doing in your life, then they must go and speak to the Lord and deal with the Lord about it. It's not your problem. Amen? Who's with me this morning? Come on. Verse 12, it says that the Lord said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Did anyone think Gideon was a mighty warrior? (laughs) He's hiding in the wine press. He goes out at night to, you know, cut down the altar of Baal. He's scared. He's timid. And we understand that. We're not judging his fear. I would be scared too if the Midianites, you know, came against me like that. But the Lord spoke to him prophetically and said, I have called you to be a mighty warrior. The King James actually said, man, mighty man of valor. His name means destroyer, overcomer, warrior. What does your name mean? And what does God call you? What does the Lord call you? I can guarantee you with everything inside of me, it is not who you see in the mirror. It is not who you think you are. It is not what your current circumstances say you are. I remember the Lord started speaking to me when I was in that place. And he said to me, I've called you to be royalty. What does that even mean? Royalty. And he sent leaders and people in my life that would affirm that. And in the beginning, it was so hard for me to receive it. Have you been in an environment where someone encourages you, but it's hard for you to believe? I will never forget this. And I had a conversation. I think Liana and I spoke about it two weeks ago. We spoke about the gift of encouragement. And you know, there's a spiritual gift of encouragement. It's not flattery. It's not fakeness. It's encouragement. It means I speak over you what I see in the spirit. Not what I see in the natural. And this is something that changed my life. When I started serving in church, and again, it's not in church. We pray there are encouragers everywhere. But I had a leader, a female pastor, who in the beginning, whenever I would walk into a room, she would say, mighty Marissa. I'd be like, okay, calm down. (laughs) I didn't want people to look at me. I didn't like any attention. But she would always speak that over me, no matter where we are. If she would see me at church, you know, midweek, wherever, she would see me in the mall. Mighty Marissa, there she is. You're going to change the world, she said to me. Over and over and over again. And you know what started to happen? I actually started to believe her. 
And I remember going to my mom one day and I said to her, I actually believe that God's got a great call upon my life and I'm going to change the world. And church, I want to encourage you. It's not a place of windgat. There's no windgat. There's boldness. It only comes when you start hearing what God sees about you. When he calls you mighty. When he calls you warrior. When he calls that what he's planted inside of you to come out of you. That's going to take faith. It's going to take a step. It's going to take action. It's not going to happen when I sit down. So I'm going to preach you out of your seat this morning. Is that okay? I am a mighty warrior. Can you say that? I am a mighty warrior. I am a man of valor. Can you only manage to repeat? I am a man of valor. I am a woman of valor. Come on. That is who God calls us to be. What does God call you this morning? How many times do we say to the Lord, Lord, but I am the weakest of my tribe. I used to say this to the Lord. I cannot do an offering message. I cannot lead a team I've never led in my life. In primary school, I was canceled for being a cheerleader because the one girl said, I stood behind her and she literally said, I was 14 or 13 years old. And she said, Marissa cannot be a cheerleader. She cannot open up her mouth. I will never forget it. It made such an imprint on my heart because the reality was I couldn't open my mouth. But I really wanted to be a cheerleader for the green team. Inside of me, I really wanted it. But I stood behind her and you know what happened? She actually shut up my voice in that moment. But when I got myself into the house of the Lord in my 20s, when I got myself into the place of an environment where people would speak life over me, where they would speak what God sees over me, not my green team cheerleader friend from Standard 5. The Lord said, I called you as a royal priesthood. I called you as a voice for the kingdom. Ek was nie a voice vir die groenspanie, maar ek is a voice vir die koninkryk. Amen? Come on. Number three, God will call us to action despite our fear or timidity. We have so run out of time almost, but I'm going to finish this. It's going to change your life. God will call us to action despite our fears. In verse 34, it says, The Spirit of God clothed Gideon. This is Old Testament. I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever God has called you, to do, he's going to empower you through his spirit. Amen. It's not going to come from your natural strength. It's not going to come from any of that. God delights to advance the humble. And this story goes that Gideon gave all these things to the Lord and he said, Lord, but can you give me one more sign? And he put out a little fleece and he said to the Lord, if you can put the dew on the fleece, but then the ground must be dry. And the Lord had patience. And he had mercy and kindness. And he's like, okay, my son, I know what you need. I'm going to do it for you supernaturally. Boom. Next morning he wakes up. It was done. He says, Lord, forgive me, but can you do it one more time? But this time, can you make the fleece dry and the land wet? So the Lord did it again in his grace, in his mercy. You know, Gideon didn't ask a sign from the Lord because he wanted to determine God's will. He just needed an extra boost of reassurance that God is going to be with him. 
I want to encourage you this morning. The Lord is not going to leave you high and dry without encouragement. He's not going to leave you high and dry without assurance that he is with you. Every single great Bible character, remember how many times that the Lord said to them, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Mighty warrior, I am with you. Number four, God will turn our fears into boldness if we will trust him. Judges 7, this is our last scripture. I want you to look at this. This is powerful. Judges 7. So now the Lord tells him, okay, I've given you all the affirmation. Now I want you to go and I want you to take an army. The Lord cut them down from 32,000 people to 300 men. Hallelujah. It's like planting a church and the Lord says, I'm going to take all 20 volunteers and leave you with one. Glory. Okay, and he said to him, I'm going to give you 300 men and you're going to take down the Midianites and I'm going to give them into your hand. Gideon's He's really scared. And the Lord says, it's okay. If you are afraid, go down to the camp of the enemy tonight and go and listen to this conversation. Gideon goes at night at the third watch or something crazy like that in the middle of the night. They go to the enemy's camp. They go into the camp and he overhears a dream that one of the enemies, the soldiers are telling each other to speak of how scared they are of Gideon because the Lord is with them. That was the last assurance this guy needed. And Gideon suddenly rises up into this mighty warrior that God said he is. And this is where it says, when Gideon heard the dream in the enemy's camp and its interpretation, he worshiped God. This is where the story turns. And he returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. Okay, you have to see this. Fearful little Gideon suddenly walks up to the 300 men and he goes, get up. This guy that went from, don't even look at me. Now he's like, get up. God has spoken. And he says to him the following. Judges 7. He returns to the camp of Israel and says, get up. The Lord has given the Midian camp into your hands. Verse 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. And he says to them, watch me. Damn it, guy, don't look at me. Watch me. Follow my lead. And when I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. And when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for Gideon and for the Lord. Actually, for the Lord and for Gideon. And the Lord made the enemy turn on each other and they killed each other and the guys walked away with the victory. And suddenly Gideon went from this weak and timid guy into what God had spoken to him in the beginning of the story mighty man of valor. And this leader arose. And then the Israelites were so impressed by him, they said, you should be our leader. And he said, no, I'm not your leader. The Lord is your leader. Church, I want to encourage you this morning. What is God saying over you? What is he calling forth over you? It is time to get up. It is time to step out. It is time to take a step of faith and say, yes, Lord, send me. Don't worry about the words. I was very concerned about my words. The Lord said to me, don't you worry about the words. I will put the words in your mouth. 
Don't you worry about being alone. I'm going to send my presence with you. Don't you worry about your knees shaking. It's okay. Let them shake. The shaking will go away. I cannot tell you how many times I had to get up and preach and I was still shaking. Some Sundays I'm still shaking. But I've learned how to ignore the shaking. And I've learned that what God wants to do is bigger than my knees. Clapping. Amen. I'm going to pray for some people this morning and I want the team to just put up our music and I want you to close your eyes this morning as we conclude the service. And the Lord showed me and the Lord showed me two groups of people I actually believe three that he wants to minister to this morning. And I want you to just zone in in this moment. This is going to be life-changing for some people. I want to trust the Lord this morning to release I want to trust the Lord this morning to release a spirit of boldness in this place. To touch you in such a dramatic way that you will never be the same. I want to pray for the first group of people. If you are sitting here and you know that God is calling you out into the next step of your faith journey. It doesn't have to be to plant a church. It could be to just share your testimony. It could be to take an opportunity that you've been praying about and you're not sure if you're good enough to do it. It could be just to have an important conversation. It could be to start praying with your wife at home, to start leading the Bible study at home. It could be to share your testimony with someone at work, whatever that is. It could be to go to a different nation and do something radical for the Lord, whatever it is. You're in a place where you feel, Lord, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I'm not sure if I have what it takes. I want you to come because I want to pray for you for boldness. Because you've got what it takes. Something that the Lord told me is that He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So number one, if you need boldness, I want you to come for prayer. Number two, the Lord showed me that it could be one or more people. You've stepped out before and maybe it failed. Either it failed, you failed, you feel like the Lord failed you. And now you're hesitant to move out again. And the Lord reminded me of Peter. Jesus said, you will deny me. He said, no, I won't. And then he did. And when Jesus came and met him again, Jesus restored him. And Jesus said, I haven't changed my mind about you just because you failed. I haven't changed my mind about what I've called you to do, who I've called you to be. My plan still stands. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter 
what has happened to you. My plan still stands. I want you to come forward for prayer. And number three, I want to pray for people that, and this was me, and so I'm very passionate about this because I know if God can do it for me, He can do it for you. If you feel fear in such an intense way that it numbs you, that it literally stops you in your tracks. I want you to come forward because I'm going to chase that fear. We're going to pray for it and we're going to trust the Lord for boldness in Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith this morning because what are we doing? We are activating what we are praying for. We can pray for a lot of things, but if we are not going to activate it, we're not going to see heaven open over us. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, you need boldness. You're scared to step out because maybe you failed or something has failed. Or you struggle with intense fear preventing you from stepping out. I want you to come to the front. We're going to pray. Don't think about people next to you. Don't worry about who is where. I want you to take a step of faith this morning if you want to see the Lord move. And I'm going to ask our team to just stand behind, please. Come on, it takes great courage to come forward. Sometimes we have to take that step to see the Lord meet us in that place of our need. Amen. Come on, if that is you this morning, just come forward. We're going to pray for you. And Stefan and Jock, I want you guys and Leona to just come and stand at the back, please. And Johannes is also going to come and join us. And he's going to pray for some of the guys. And I want the team to just put up the music for us a little bit. And we're going to pray. And I want you to really trust and expect the Lord to release something over you this morning. Amen. It's taken you a great boldness to just even step forward. And I want you to know that that already has activated heaven over you. That already has activated heaven. So why don't you just reach out your hands and it's going to take us a little while to just get to everyone. We're not going to pray too long, but we just want to release the kingdom over you this morning. We just want to speak life over you and say to you what God is dreaming about you and who He says you are. Amen. And so I want you, if you are sitting in your seat, so you can just pray in your language or you can just extend your hands and pray towards our brothers and sisters in front. And until we get to you, I want you to just talk to the Lord and tell Him how desperate you are. Tell Him, Lord, today is the day. I'm going to be as bold as a lion, but I need you to come forward. I need you to say over me who you say I am. Amen.